his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. The Thanksgiving holiday just passed is the unofficial kickoff of the Christmas season and what many call the season of giving. It's also the time when we like to take our annual look at the state of charitable organizations and the giving that supports them. The economy's on an upswing, but we're going to hear from the officials who know if donations are also doing well and whether they are enough. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. The Giving USA report on philanthropy says charitable giving was up 5% in 2017, with Americans giving $410 billion to charities, and the U.S. economy has been improving. That sounds like good news for those in need. Except the new tax laws may limit how much families can write off in charitable deductions, and the number of people needing social services seems to be rising even as government spending on human services drops. So, how are we doing? Well, we're going to hear from people who know this weekend. Joining me in the studio are three people with different perspectives on serving those who need some kind of helping hand. Sean Garrett is the new president and CEO of United Way of Metro Chicago. That's the umbrella agency that raises and distributes money to organizations that provide services ranging from health and education to financial stability and more. Mr. Garrett's been on the job, this particular job, for just about a month, but he was head of United Way of the Central Carolinas before this, based in Charlotte, North Carolina. He was one of the Charlotte Business Journal's most admired CEOs this year. He replaces Wendy DeBoe at United Way of Metro Chicago. Uh, Wendy joined me on this annual program for years and years, and we wish her well. Um, With Sean Garrett is Sarah Meyer. She's uh, the uh, neighborhood... Network manager. Neighborhood network manager with Austin Coming Together. That's an organization working to improve things like education and economic development on Chicago's west side. Ms. Meyer has been with ACT for two years. Austin Coming Together is a United Way partner organization. Also with us is Judith Gethner. She's executive director of Illinois Partners for Human Service. She's grown that alliance of service providers from 70 organizations to some 800 coalition partners across the state. They lobby for human service providers and they also speak out on their behalf. And thank you, all three of you, for uh, for being here. Um, Sean Garrett, let's start with you for the broad view. How well has charitable giving been going this year? I mean, are individuals feeling uh, more generous as unemployment decreases and the like? I think there's two answers to it. The first answer is yes. People are feeling good. You see giving to charity increase. You saw that in the the stats from Giving USA today or Giving USA. But when you break it down and you look at where giving is going, you're not seeing the kind of growth that we want to see and need to see in giving to the social service sector. The growth in giving is going to things like higher education. It's going to things like religious causes, all of which are important and part of the fabric of our community. But you're not seeing the kind of growth that we would like to see, particularly coming out of the the recession, um, towards the causes that are impacting those that need services the most. Um, And I think that's really the the opportunity and the risk that we face right now. Um, 
has corporate giving been uh, been any different? Because that is off pretty much the bedrock mm-hmm. of uh, of the effort that you do. Yeah. Uh, how's that going? So corporate giving, when you look at the corporations themselves and where they give, is continuing to increase. Um, it's not increasing by leaps and bounds, but it is increasing. The, the challenge is really the bulk of giving is actually from, from individuals. Individuals are where most giving comes from in a community, um, whether you look at United Way, whether you look at giving across the board. Most of giving that the Giving USA study cites is coming from individuals. And so that's the component that we're seeing growth, but again, not growth around the sectors that or the issues that we care most about. How about that intersection of corporate and, and, and individual where it's people giving through their companies? Um, I know for a time that, that started to wane for yeah. a few years. So United Way is uh, very lucky to be the corporate partner of, of choice for many companies who are interested in having workplace campaigns. And we continue to see you know tremendous giving that comes out of it. The reality is, though, that there, there is less giving year over year or relatively flat giving over the last number of years that are coming out of what, are those, what those are workplace campaigns. Um, fewer and fewer people uh, give via their workplace today and instead are giving outside of the workplace as there's a lot more channels now for people to give to. Um, and so we are seeing continued pressure on that, that model. Mm. Um, I, I would perhaps argue that one of the most important dimension of all of this is the need out there. And uh, what are you seeing out in the areas where your partner organizations are serving? Is, I mean, for, I, I'm not sure I've seen a dip in need in the years since we've been doing this program. Uh, you know, while we've made great progress, and I'm really proud of the progress, I know we're going to hear um, of some of the great impacts that have happened um, the reality is folks are still challenged. You know, there's data out there today that shows that the neighborhood of which you are born in can predict with an unbelievable degree of certainty the income that you will have 30 years later. That's not the community that any of us want to be a part of, and yet that's the reality that we face today. There are two kids that are going to be born as we're, we're here today. One's going to go to a zip code that's going to accelerate their economic future, and another is going to go to a zip code that challenges their economic future. We've got the opportunity to fix that as a community, but we have to make the choices to say, I want to make these investments. I want to take the time to understand what those issues are, um, because right now the reality is based on a zip code, we can tell you your future median income. Uh, is that one of the reasons why uh, United Way has focused uh, a lot more in recent years on neighborhoods? It is. I mean, if you think about the, some of the biggest predictors of future economic success and you know, educational outcomes, you name it, neighborhoods are one of the bigger drivers. And so how are you going to change that? The only way to change that is to work block by block and neighborhood by neighborhood. And we're really proud to have the opportunity to work with so many incredible partners um, who understand what it is that that neighborhood has and what is that neighborhood's vision for its future. Because really the only way a neighborhood can become what it wants to be is for it to have a vision and for us to then be a partner to help the residents of that neighborhood achieve that vision. That's a perfect transition to, uh, to turn to Sarah Meyer at uh, Austin coming together. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, the organization and, and what it's doing. Sure. 
So Austin Coming Together is a collective impact organization. We coordinate the efforts of over 50 official member organizations plus um, passionate community residents and community institutions to contribute to the uh, economic and educational development of the neighborhood. Um, and we do that through service delivery coordination and community planning and investment. Um, Sorry. Now, tell me if uh, you one of the areas that you are concentrating on right now is, I guess, what's euphemistically called um, financial stability services. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't heard that 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 term used before, but I, I gather that has a lot to do with uh, with with jobs and uh, trying to get them and keep them or even uh, prepare for them. Yes. So uh, one of the initiatives that we have right now is the Austin Community Hub. We launched that last year. Uh, and that uh, through that initiative, we do coordinated and strategic uh, community outreach. So getting residents into our space. Um, and then we provide short-term counseling case management and referrals to supportive services which includes workforce development programs that are member organizations. So through those partners, we are focused on um, pipelines into high-paying careers in manufacturing and construction and healthcare, things like that. Now, now tell me what you're seeing on the ground there on the West Side. Uh, first off, what is the demand for the kinds of services that you're talking about here? And then pipeline to where? Mm-hmm. So uh, Austin is one of is the largest community area in Chicago, and we have an unemployment rate that's been hovering around 20 percent. And of those people um, that are employable, there's a very small uh, portion of them who actually have uh, secondary education or degrees to sort of launch into a career pathway. So there is a demand to, you know, get a certificate or get into an institution where you can really climb the ladder of a career pathway as opposed to placing people in minimum wage jobs. Um, I think the challenge is is that when people come in to us, there's lots of other barriers that they're facing that prohibit them from maybe starting a training program um, or starting on their pathway. Barriers um, that fall in the areas of, you know, uh, mental health issues or um, income issues, childcare, lots of different things. So through the ACT Network, we're trying to also address those barriers so that they can achieve. Um, just so we can uh, explain to people who may, uh, may not understand, explain the relationship between United Way and, the, uh, you know, and, and ACT. So we are the Austin Neighborhood Network, which is a United Way program. So um, they are our funding partner for the Austin Community Hub and the Neighborhood Network. But a funding partner, how much of the, of what proportion of your, your funding comes from that? And do you do your own fundraising? We do our own, we do some of our own fundraising through events. We have individual donors. Um, we have other grant partners. Um, I would have to check to see exactly what proportion United mm-hmm. Way is, but um, they do give us a large amount of funding. And when you look around the West Side, how is, is are there enough programs serving the population there, not just in your own area, but in the surrounding areas, to fill the need that you're seeing? 
enough. I don't know. What I will say is that Austin has um, a ton of assets, a ton of different people who are passionate about helping others. We have um, lots of agencies doing really good work. And that's one of the reasons that Austin Coming Together started in the first place was to coordinate these efforts. There was really a lot of things going on 10 years ago, but there was no backbone agency to really coordinate those efforts and maximize impact. And that's how Austin Coming Together really started. Well, Judith Gethner, I want to turn to you now. Your group is out with a report on the balance or maybe lack of it uh, between government funding for human services uh, and uh, and the kind of philanthropy uh, that we're talking about here. What are the basic findings? So thank you for having me. Um, the The reality is that government is the largest contributor to human services writ large. There is no way, if you look at all the different funding models out there that we do in our study, that government is that largest one. There is also a misperception that we learned in our research of what people think about foundation and corporation giving. There's a, uh, and so one of the findings that we, we uh, released and one of the points that we're trying to make is to educate people to understand that there are limitations on foundations and corporations on how much they can give a year. And that typically those monies have been pre-designated. And so it isn't like you find, oh, we need extra help in mental health on the West Side. Let's go to a foundation or corporation and ask them to give us more. That doesn't exist. They've been, they've, they give their money each year that's designated. Most of the time, their board of trustees or their board of directors are influencing what their giving patterns are going to be. And a lot of times for foundations that were created by families or others, um, even like corporations like AbbVie and others, they have already predetermined what they want to be contributing into either healthcare or education or the arts. And so the the reality even of individual giving and i'm glad to hear sean mention earlier about some of the challenges of the giving sector who gets the giving right mm-hmm. human services is not the sector that gets that giving and so it fall it falls back once again to the fact that government is really the only entity that is able to come up with that kind of money so in our world um we went two years without a budget in illinois And we've gone even years before that with underfunding. And we currently are sitting at somewhere like seven or eight billion dollars in debt at at the the state level. And much of that money is really the fallout for human services. And so part of the impetus for doing the report was that during the the two budget, two year impasse, government actually approached some of the foundations and asked them to increase their giving not understanding that they had already been giving everything that they had to give. And so we felt compelled to have to help tell the story of really what is giving and what are the numbers, the dollars amount. So when we looked at the dollars, we looked at the full state of Illinois, and we saw that there's about $3 billion that is given through charitable giving. And we know that the state budget, at least this year, is somewhere around $38 billion. And we know that human services, again, round numbers, gets between five and six billion. 
we can't replace that five or six billion with with charitable work and charitable giving, even though all of the nonprofits out there do fundraisers, have individual donors and really work their tails off to try to get money from other entities. We know that government really is the the driving force that's going to make these human service providers be able to function. And we'll talk a little bit more. I will just hold that thought. Uh, you are listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is our season of giving program where each year we try to take a look at the current state of charitable organizations, the people who help them, and the people that those agencies help. Uh, this was an idea brought to me more than a decade ago by a listener named Ruby Shucker, who has been actually on this program more than once representing not for profit groups. And she checks on me every year to make sure that we are still doing it. Uh, Hello, Ruby. Uh, But uh, United Way of Metro Chicago has been part of this effort from the very beginning. And uh, the new president and CEO of that big organization, Sean Garrett, is with us today. We also have Sarah Myers with uh, Austin coming together and Judith Gethner, the executive director of Illinois Partners for Human Service. Uh, Sean Garrett, you wanted to uh, uh, say something about this. Yeah, I I just want to put the the, point on the five or six billion dollars of government funding. That is the amount of money that United Way will raise across the world. United Way is the largest fundraiser in the entire world, will raise a little bit over four billion dollars this year. In the entire world, we're talking about the funding at the state, just the state from the, the state government. And so when we think about the challenge from the private sector in the versus the government sector, the government funding in Illinois is more significant than the entire fundraising that United Way will do across the entire world in 41 countries. And can I add one other thing, Craig? So Chicago is an anomaly. We have most of the wealth of the state of Illinois. We also have most of the corporate giving and foundations in Illinois. And so one of the things that our report calls out is that once you get south of I-80 into central and southern Illinois, they don't even have the resources for individual giving or corporate giving or other kinds of philanthropy. And so if government pulls back, then the rest of the state has no other resources of which to be able to draw from. And if I don't think there's anybody in government who won't agree with everything that you've said, that that, yes, the you know government is the main force and it's a responsibility of government to do everything it can but then they're going to you know shrug and pull out their you know their the lot their pocket linings and say but we have no money we we have and we have you know a multi-billion dollar backlog of bills we have a multi multi multi-million dollar pension debt and what what do you expect us to do? I mean, y- you can convince people that government should do more. You can convince lawmakers that government should do more. But there are, aren't their hands tied in some of the same ways that the, the corporate, you know, um, you know, entities are. Can I raise up, you know, for Sarah's group in, in Austin, when you were talking about mm-hmm. um, when Sarah was mentioning um, mental health services and child care services and what the needs are in that mm-hmm. community, I would argue that government is paying for that, Craig. Um, if folks can't find providers to get service delivery, they're in the emergency rooms. If folks can't find providers for service delivery or housing, they're homeless. And the government does pay for that, by the way, and it's much more costly to pay for that. Or they're picking them up and putting them in jail. And we have one of the largest prison uh, population in the in the country in Illinois. 
So I would argue back if, to your point of government can't afford it. And I would argue we are a much more cost efficient way to deliver services than the way it be, is delivered without their making those investments. Um, Sarah, what are you seeing as far as people who don't get all the help or maybe, you know, you're saying people are coming to you with mental health problems. Are they are they finding the kind of help they need for substance abuse problems, if it may even go into that, those ranges? Sure. So I think that um, one of the issues is that the social service landscape is complicated and it almost sometimes takes a full time job for somebody to really understand how to navigate housing in Chicago, how to navigate mental health services, how to navigate workforce development. There are different eligibility criteria for different organizations. Um, and people that are struggling don't always have a lot of time to figure all of that stuff out. Um, so I think that that's one of the needs that Austin Coming Together provides through the hub is that when somebody comes in, we're able to really sort of illuminate like this is these are the resources that could potentially help you. This is how you get in touch with them. And if you're really in need, I'm going to go with you to that resource and make sure that you're securely attached through accompaniment. Uh, let me raise a, a perhaps ruthless point. And, and, uh, and, and Sean, I want your take on this. That, again, people in government, you know, want to do the right thing. But I also think sometimes people in government think, well, you know, if we aren't able to do it, those groups like, you know, you know, United Way and the churches and the community organizations, they're not going to let people just suffer. They're going to step up. They're going to do whatever it takes, aren't they? No, so our ability to do that depends on literally thousands of individuals making the choice every single day to give more money because we don't sit on money. We have every single year we raise money and every single year we give that dollar out. And so if government were to say, hey, we're going to pull out all of this, it would mean that the residents of this community would have to step up at an individual level to give significantly more than they give today to be able to do that. We'd be happy to play that role. But for that to happen, we're going to need to have literally thousands of people choose to give tens of thousands of dollars more on an individual level than they're giving today to be able to offset the significant decrease that would take place at the government level. During the two would years, love for that, but it would take a lot of, a lot of work for that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> During the two years that we did not have a budget, um, I know when we, when, when, in fact, when we did this program, uh, Social service or human services organizations were were falling by the wayside. I mean, they were they were going belly up, uh, and and then people really weren't getting the help. Has that eased in the last couple? Now that we have a budget, has that eased, or is the backlog still hurting? So I think um, there's it's a both and yes and both. Um, there the pressure has eased up. Contracts have been signed, and uh, money from the state to the nonprofits is flowing. Um, but we have a, a, a couple of hiccups. Uh, one is, I mentioned earlier, we have this backlog of bills of seven, eight billion dollars that hasn't been paid to human service providers. So I will say that is firstly. And secondly, and I don't want to get too wonky here, Craig, we have um, Medicaid recipients uh, in the state of Illinois who um, are being covered by managed care companies in Illinois, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield and, and Meridian and others. And where there's now a, a, a gridlock 
is getting the money from the man, the managed care companies to the human service providers. And so we now have a new uh, found challenge to be able to get that money to flow. Some of the providers that I've met with this week have told me they haven't gotten a penny since July 1st. So we so again, sort of like another level of unpaid bills. That's correct. That's correct. And and the government has paid these managed care companies already in advance for taking care of the population that are served. And so it is on them to pass through that money to the human service providers. And so we now have kind of a new challenge. So this is going to be sort of a jump jump ball here. Anybody can answer this or all. Um, all right. You've gone to the lawmakers and you've shown them the facts. It's on you guys. I'm sure they didn't all go, okay, we'll get right on it. Um, what what do you do now? What do, you know, what do the advocates do now? What do the providers do now? Because this is where we are right now. This year coming up, people are still going to need the help. And even with a new governor, they're not going to get it immediately. What, 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 do you, what do you do? Sean, what do you do? You know, so this is the kind of the way I look at all of us can do something. And I think we have to start with the fact that everyone is listening, everyone who's involved, come be a part of it. Be a part of it as a donor, be a part of it as a volunteer, be a part of the work. Because though there are really big challenges, we can't sit and wait for those really big challenges to keep us from taking the action that we can take. The dollars that folks give us, the dollars that folks give organizations around this community typically are unrestricted, which allows them to take care of what they need to take care of right now. They can also, though, talk to their local local elected officials and say, help meet me where I am. Say, I am a donor. I am doing my part of this. What can you do? And keep that pressure on folks. But I think it's really important for us to not get caught in what is not happening, but to rather say, what can we do? Because each of us really can take some action that will impact folks that are being that are struggling right now, whether it's partnering with us at United Way, whether it's partnering with any of our partners, the reality is we can do something together because there are a lot of people in this community, and if each of us did a little bit, it has a huge impact overall. Sarah Myers, what if, if I either am a resident of the West Side or I care about people who live on the West Side, what, what, can, what can be done? I mean, do you need volunteers? Do you need skills? Do you need training? What, what, what is needed there? Um, well, I think we need more investment on the West Side. <laughs> Um, especially in some of our community institutions, like our schools. Um, I think that we do get a lot of volunteers, but yes, we could always use more. And then I think in just like generally in Chicago, we're segregated in so many ways in our community areas. And I would challenge people to step outside of your comfort zone, step outside of your neighborhood and sort of understand what's going on in other places in the city. Um, I also want to raise something because as I was doing my research for this, I kept seeing references to Giving Tuesday. Is that a thing now? This would be for people who haven't heard of it. This is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. In other words, this coming Tuesday. Is 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 that a growing thing? Is it is is it having any 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 impact? I, I would Judith? I would definitely say that it's having a great impact. A um, lot of folks out there are, are questioning when is the right time to give. A lot of folks also think about the holiday season as their time of giving. Um, and a lot of folks look at it from the tax, their taxes and end of year giving. And so I think the fact that we've been organized now as a sector, nonprofit sector, for a giving day, much like 
the day after Thanksgiving is Black Friday and so forth. And Cyber Monday on Monday. On, on after, Monday. Right, and exactly. Then the, and then the day after would be given Right. To? So I think you, you kind of... Um, you, you you spend all your money on Monday, on Cyber Monday, and then you feel such <laughs> guilt that on Tuesday you decide you have to exceed that amount of money that you spend on yourself on others. And so I'd like to think that that Tuesday is really a day of focus and, and, and helps all of us to be able to lift up our each of our organizations and where we're mostly competitive out in the field, right? We're all asking for charity. We're all asking for giving. I think this helps make it feel good where you can go on and give five different organizations that day and feel really positive. That's going to have to be the last word because we are out of time. This program always goes like the wind. Uh, But I want to thank Sean Garrett, the head of United Way of Metro Chicago, Sarah Myers with Austin Coming Together, and Judith Gethner, head of Illinois Partners for Human Services, for spending this half hour with us. Uh, To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcasts on Radio.com. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, Mom and Dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.